Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith and Fandom Podcast. I'm Hector here, and today I am joined by Marissa Baker. Is it correct? That's it. Yes, okay. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, you know, whenever people have their Facebook names different than their like other stuff, I'm like, I get such a brain freeze. Like, yes. <laughs> um, but uh I'll let her introduce herself a little more properly in a moment. But uh she uh created Sun Happens and she's got some life experience and wisdom to share and some warm radiance of vibrant life and such as well just the pops off of her already so uh tell us who you are tell us what you do tell us tell us just be you what's who yeah you be? be me that is so there's so much to me um yes no, so, all the layers <laughs> the, the <laughs> so ogre onion peel it like an onion it's totally fine um no, so name is Marissa. Obviously, I met you in college because you were Pastor Hector and you were what I knew as the the college pastor. And um, so I've known you since then. And yeah, went to UNCP, met my um, my first husband. I always love starting with that at UNCP and um, got married right after college and also got divorced pretty quickly after that. Um, and then recently got married again and then got divorced again. So my whole motto now is that I've been married and divorced twice before 30 and that's wild. And a lot of people will hear that and they're like, what? And there's like, I'm sure all of these things that come up in people's brain, but it's none of my business. Um, so then insert sun happens, which is the part of me that I created during my second marriage where I just kind of was like, this feels like purpose, you know, it's a play on, I know I'm probably not supposed to cuss, but it's like in the motto, it's a play on shit happens. So like, yeah, like stuff happens, but sun happens too. Um, if you're willing to do the work and you can create your own sunshine, um, if you want to. And so take all of my life experience with all of my divorces and then take sun happens. And now here we are in this perfect storm where I get to coach people and help them heal after divorce. And help people find their joy again really so uh that's that's when did you when did sun happens actually take place like begin and when did you start the whole coaching process yeah this is so good um so sun happens began in january of 2019 um so in 2018 probably around like summertime I was selling LuLaRoe and I had just as we do as we do yeah we loved it I made like (laughs) Tons of money. It was so fun. Um, but actually, that's how I bought my first house was selling LuLaRoe. And um, I started getting a feeling like, am I supposed to be doing LuLaRoe? And I knew that I was supposed to do it in the time that I did it. That made sense to me. And I knew that there were elements to the LuLaRoe that I loved, but not all of it. And so for me, it was, I loved the fact that my target was women, you know, women age 25 to 44. I love that I got to affirm and encourage them. I love that I got to send them like letters and build them up, like all the things. Um, so I had made a decision to say no to LuLaRoe so that I could start Sun Happens podcast. And um, so that started January of 2019. And I really just did the podcast for a while. And I'm like, this is what I love. And it is what I love, obviously. But um, it just kind of grew into a bunch of other things. So I was doing the podcast and then I started creating TikTok content and then that blew up. And, um, and then really like this, after this last divorce, I was like, I got, I'm tired of my own BS, man. I got to figure it out. So like, that's one of the best life moments. You yeah. Can get I was like, when you're tired, when you finally realize, you know what? I'm tired of my own crap. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good. So that was when I was like, all right, I want to be a life coach. This is what I love. Again, it's that women, the healing, the affirming them. And I thought, I'm just going to go for it. So I go to this school, the life coach school, um, which is like one of the best schools in the nation, my opinion, that it's the best school in the nation. And I get certified last November. So November, 2021. Um, when the well, world is perfectly at peace and nothing's wrong at all. I know. Right. I'm like, let me pay all of this money to work full time and get certified as a life coach because this is what I love. And uh, so, yeah, I became a life coach, got fully certified by May. It was a six month um, process and I've been coaching since and yeah, it's just such a fun journey. So is that your full-time thing now is life coaching or? No. So I actually manage a sports complex in Naples, Florida, and okay. it's amazing because I got my master's in that. And um, yeah, so so you're well diversified. I really am. So I do that full time, but like my heart and my soul and my passion is sun happens, helping women heal after divorce. And, and not even just that, like, I'm going to just start out by saying this. You, you didn't ask this question, but I think coaching life coaching is God's work. And the reason that I think it's God's work. Yeah. Let me tell you why. I mean, we all have God's work to do, but hear me out on this. Like someone told me one time that, uh, what is the verse where it's like, you want to challenge your own thoughts and then you want to constantly renew your mind. That is what, that's all that coaching is. It's doing a mind audit, no matter what situation, whether it's divorce, whether it's people who are over drinking, overeating, you find out what thoughts are in your brain, you challenge them, and then you freaking renew your mind. And that's just the entire process over and over and over again. And that's amazing to me. There's one passage that's like a test, test every thought, hold it captive, but then um, that. And then yes. there's one that's uh then by the renewing of your mind that you may actually know what you're supposed to be doing, God's will in your life yeah. and everything. And that's that's honestly because like when you can when you can actually have a clear understanding of what you're thinking and you can actually give people good space to give you input, it makes a big difference. But most people don't even want to be aware of what they're thinking. No. And then they definitely don't don't want to invite input into that. Yeah, no, it, it, it's scary, right? And I always talk about the healing journey. I was ta- having this conversation today. I'm like, what would people have to face if they truly decided to like heal and examine their thoughts? It's not comfortable. And the level of like honesty and ownership you have to take is like wildly just like, you got to be in a good headspace to be like, yeah, I'm ready to just own the fact that I've been the common denominator in all of my problems. You know? So uh, you did blow up on TikTok a little bit. I'm not going to be super coherent in order here, but you just mentioned that. Uh, yeah. What did you blow up on TikTok for? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> okay, well, so I am like divorced twice and I think it's funny because I'm like, I can't change my past, but I certainly don't have to live there. And so I'm like, well, I'll just make jokes and I will draw people in and then I'll tell them, here's how I healed because it's it's hard. There's a lot of shame when you've been divorced twice. So I posted a video to the, what's the song? I think it's gonna be a long, long time. And I had put when people ask me if I'm ever going to get married again. And then I say, I think it's going to be a long, long time. And I was like dancing and silly. I'm like, this is funny. The people are going to love this. 
And 800,000 views later, they're like, you're damaged, you're defective, you're a red flag, you're the common denominator, you look old, any like mean thing you can think of, you're a cat lady, like, I'm just sitting there and I was like, whoa. So that was like real tough. But I'm like, I'm fine. Everything is fine. So give me a couple months, not even March 1st, I wake up at 4.30 a.m., to a random message from a girl who lived in the UK, lovely, lovely girl. She said, hello, love. Um, I just wanted to let you know that I saw the article, so the article in the UK media, the UK Daily Mail, titled, <laughs> <laughs> titled Life Coach Branded a Joke After Revealing She's Been Married and Divorced Twice Before 30. So this TikTok goes viral, and then the UK Daily Mail sees how mean people are being to me about the fact that I'm a life coach and twice divorced. And then they wrote an entire article about all the hate that I'm receiving. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, okay, don't panic. And that was wild. And um, yeah, so long story short, that was like the, I had, I was growing, but that was like the video that like, got all the hate and then the article and then since then it's just been like on the up and up <laughs> crazy um you had mentioned with the shame uh with the shame that you went through and we'll talk about it in a second but like how big of a factor do you feel like shame plays in uh marriages that are in bad places and divorces and people like just isolating and stuff like that how big of a factor do you feel like shame is in all of that yeah I so we talk a lot about in coaching like your thoughts and how your thoughts create feelings and then if those thoughts and feelings are serving you right and what I've learned of all the things is that shame is like the one feeling that never ever serves us like ever <laughs> And what I mean by that is like shame, if there's a behavior that you're partaking in. So, okay, everyone has things that happen to them in their lives. So for me, it was divorce. That's a fact, a neutral fact. And then we have a thought about that. So in my, my thought about that was I'm a failure. And when I thought I'm a failure, I felt shame. And then from the feeling of shame, you take actions from your feelings. So shame created those actions and those actions were creating the results in my life. The reason that that's important is because shame, when you have a behavior or an action that you're taking, when you judge yourself or shame yourself for doing that, so divorce or whatever behaviors, shame usually keeps you in that behavior. So I always call it the shame cycle, like shame begets shame begets shame. So it's like, I don't want to cheat on my partner. And then I'm like, I'm a terrible person. And then when I think that I usually continue in that behavior and I keep the lies and I keep the isolation and I keep the secrecy. And that's just one example. It could be literally anything. I know that was like kind of a lot, but yeah, shame is literally never useful. And that plays out not only in individuals, but to your point in marriages where we maybe want to show up in a different way, but we're so busy shaming ourselves for not for our marriage not working the way we want or for not being happy in our marriage or whatever it may be that it keeps us kind of operating on this super, super low, like, I don't want to say vibration because that's kind of woo-woo, but like low vibration. <laughs> it is woo-woo. It's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, and I think one thing too, because I know we operate in different worlds and you, you remember what Pembroke was like, and I'm not in Pembroke, but I'm still in the region. Yeah. Um, there's a lot, especially in Southern 
culture and Southern church culture, especially around here where shame is like huge. If there's ever a relationship that ends and, um, I know that coming out of the church, uh, in some different areas, like there are people that were the greatest people that I'd met that served in ministry leaders in the community, stuff like that. But because they had been through a divorce, they were disqualified. Mm. And, and now granted I get, there's a whole bunch of different perspectives when it comes to Bible stuff and marriage and church and stuff like that. But I don't think there's anything that's ever supposed to be like, you're supposed to be shame or worth less because yeah. you've been through that. And I, that's one of the things I've hated. And I remember, uh, and granted, I know the world has dramatically changed in 20 years in every aspect, but, uh, like 2003, uh, there was a young couple that I was friends with when I was, uh, about to get married myself. And, and, you know, they were high school sweethearts, the whole deal, college sweethearts, the whole deal, uh, with that got married and a uh, guy was going to become a youth pastor. And this was like, like BFE, Tennessee, like yeah. deep in that area. Not to mute that part. Um, <laughs> uh, but they were, he was just going to become a youth pastor and his wife left for someone else, like maybe six months into it. And like the church that was hiring him was like, well, you're not qualified anymore and his wife left him and that's so sad. and that's the thing like that was that was a purveying thing that has happened across a lot of uh church culture that doesn't exact exercise a lot of grace when it comes to things yes, like that yes. and um even you know i just watched him f feel like you know dude's barely 24 and he feels like his life is over and yeah. he left ministry at that point and never went back yeah and wow. don't and uh, like even at uh, where we were in Pembroke, um, there was a guy who was uh, one of the most selfless leaders I've ever met in that area. But because he had been through a divorce, he was never allowed to be a deacon because uh, there's a verse that I often believe is widely uh, misinterpreted uh, that you know disqualified him. And so yeah. even this... Because there's there's a verse that says, uh, you know, when it's talking about what a deacon should be, a deacon should be a husband of one wife. Uh, now, in context, I believe that means you should only be married to one woman because that was a thing back at that time, you know, like yeah. stack up. Um, but that's <laughs> like, listen, you can't effectively have a healthy relationship with multiple people and then try and run any group of people. And I think that's the context of it. But a lot of people have yeah. like ranked it down to, well, if you've been through one marriage you're out that's it and yeah. i've i've lived i'm not like terrified of that or anything like that but that's always been a back of my mind thing anytime i've had marital problems even in my own family mm -hmm. and stuff like that it's like all right my marriage falls through i'm out <laughs> like yeah just knowing that that's a cultural thing but you know i know that's you know it's got its own poorly executed or religious uh structures that comes with that yeah um but even outside of like church culture, um, there are people that feel like if they have a marriage fail, they by nature for the rest of their lives are failures. Failure? Yes. yes. And uh, that's never a healthy place to be. And I don't think there's enough voices out there telling people, hey, you still have value, which is one of the things I've always admired about watching your journey with that. And, you know, I've also was really impressed by the fact 
that you uh, didn't run and hide, especially once like the Daily Mail thing and everything popped up, because a lot of people, you know, growing up in this area, especially someone has a divorce or something bad goes public, you know, they disappear, like literally like deactivate all their accounts, move to another state, yeah, move to another yeah. city and never hear from them again. And, I wanted to. <laughs> and I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, I don't blame you. And, but that's, you know, it takes a lot of, uh, I think it takes a lot of boldness and bravery to uh, look failure or not that calling failure, but look to look at the failure of a relationship and ending of a relationship of something that you are committed to, to look at that and to, you know, know that people are forming opinions and judging you and still for you to rise up and actually like say, yeah. um, I'm here and I'm not done and you shouldn't be either. Um, yeah. oh, so so good. for you, what it would, and I know I'm not asking you to do all your life coaching for free or anything, but like, what I'll would do you, whatever you want, Hector, <laughs> <laughs> say the word. Um, what, what do you tell people personally, um, in your coaching or even just right now, what do you tell people that feel broken, less valued or anything else because of the end of a relationship? Yeah. Well, honestly, it's always about getting to like the root cause, right? Like what is creating that feeling for you? And like I said, um, thoughts create your feelings. So at the end of the day, and this is going to sound crazy, right? But a divorce, the fact that Marissa got divorced on November 21st, 2021 is just a fact and it's neutral and it, there, it has no meaning until I have a thought about it right? And so some people could get divorced and be like, heck yeah, this is the best day of my life. That's how I know it's how you think about it. Because some people are really excited about it. Some people are broken about it. Some people are super neutral. And I decided, or I tell people that they get to choose. And that's really hard for people to believe at first. So you sometimes you have to like break it down. And like, it takes weeks and months for them to believe that like, this is just a neutral fact. And here's what you're thinking about it, aka I'm a failure or I'm worthless or whatever it is that they're thinking. <clears throat> and this is the feeling that it's creating. And this is the actions and the results it's creating in your life. Even if that's true, even if that thought I am a failure is true, is it serving you? And usually they're like, no. And it's like, cool. So we can agree that maybe it's true. I don't believe it, but maybe it is. Let's say it is. Is it serving you? And if the answer is no, that's a place to start, right? And then it's like, okay, well, what is believable to you that it's maybe more serving for you? And and the possibilities are endless. Like it's, I had a marriage that ended or I'm not a failure because my marriage ended or whatever it may be, whatever is believable to them. It's kind of, the work is how do I get them from I'm a failure to I'm uniquely qualified to teach people on this topic, right? Like in the in-between, this is what the life coach school calls the in-between as the river of misery. And so in coaching, you spend time going from A to Z and this is the middle. And it's usually people resisting and not believing that their thoughts are not true. They're like, how dare you tell me I'm not a failure because I've been believing that for 22 years. And it's like, that's not cool. Like that's kind of mean actually, <laughs> Um, so I think I would kind of start there, right? Like we do an audit of the mind. We see what that's creating for them and kind of just show them their own mind. Um, 
And at the same time, kind of, I hold space for them so they can remove the judgment and the shame because there is no shame. And like, if you're my client and you're looking across the computer at me and you're like, I got divorced twice before 30. And I'm like, okay. And you know, I'm like, so what? And then they're like, well, well what do you mean? So what? And I'm like, why does that matter? <laughs> and they're like, and then they'll give you all the crazy thoughts they're having about it. Well, it matters because I failed and people are going to judge me and whatever it may be. Anyways, I'm going on a rant, but like, there's just so many things. So many things. Podcasts are just rants with commercial breaks. It's okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so yeah, that's my answer. I think I answered it. I think so. Yeah. Uh, how often are you dealing with people that uh, have given up on marriage, period, because of what they've gone through? Yeah. Um. To be honest not many. Like I feel like a lot of, at least right now, I see a lot of um, people who are in their like post-divorce glow up and healing stage, um, but never really, they're like, I'm never going to be in a relationship again, more or less they want to heal. But what I get more of than anything is the question of, should I stay or should I go? And people come to me and they're like, I don't feel the same way. How do I know if I'm supposed to leave my marriage what do I do from here? And so I, I have a really big passion for teaching people how to get clear in their brain so they can make that decision of whether they should stay or go from a really clean space. Because what I would hate for them to do is decide to leave their marriage because they have a mismanaged mind. Oof. You know, <laughs> that's good, right? It's that is good. good. That's yeah. strong. Yeah. And obviously, you know, especially from a, a church standpoint, you know, I want to be like, Oh, I want every marriage to work out. Yeah. The reality is a lot of marriages aren't healthy, even when they're yeah. together. Um, and there's, it's, it's a hard place. Um, because at the end of the day, a marriage really should be something that builds you stronger and builds you up. And a lot of people end up just kind of like living way beneath their own level of existence because yeah. they've got they feel like they're in a bad place and I know healing can take place I know that you know there's a lot of reconciliation and stuff but I think that's what you said is such a big thing that you know to come from a clear space mentally to be able to approach that stuff uh, that's so good and I want to offer in addition to what you're saying like people like to think that the world is black and white and they like to say well divorce bad marriage good and you totally forget that not you but the general you forgets that everyone has a story so if I can just share like personally for a second um the the thing with me was all of these things came together during my second divorce that I had no idea that was controlling my actions and my behavior so long story short when I was younger there were some things that happened um you know, with an older kid sexually, not by my choosing. And I was in that developmental age where certain things would occur. Like I would automatically think I'm not enough because of what happened. And also I wouldn't think I was worthy for God. So like, there was like a lot of shame in my life since third grade of, well, I'm never going to be enough. And I have to earn my way into heaven like, I vividly remember the day my therapist looked at me and said, why don't you think you're enough for God? 
And I just started bawling. I'm like, how do you know that? Because I've been, I've been asking God every week, once a week to save me. So I don't go to hell. Right. That's like the level of shame that I was living with and fear every single day of the God who was supposed to feel like love. And so all of that to say that thing happened when I was younger, I responded in a certain way as a, as a way to try and survive. I never got the support and the nurturing and the help that I needed at that time. And so all of those behaviors carried over into my adult relationships. In addition to, I grew up in a very chaotic household, like drug addiction. Like most of the men in my family have been addicted to drugs in some way. So like the men I knew were, that was what I knew. So when I would meet someone who wasn't on drugs, I'm like that one. So chaos in the family and I didn't think I was worthy so when I met someone that was like I want to love you I was like yes please I had no idea what I wanted I had no idea who I was and so I said yes to this man and then it didn't work out and then I thought well I'm not the problem and then the next dude came in and said well I'm gonna love you and I said well no one else is gonna love me so I might as well take the second guy up on his offer I wasn't thinking that at the time take him up on his offer get married and I'm like whoa whoa this is not how this is supposed to be. And so I think we just really easily judge people being like, you should have worked out your marriage, not knowing how deeply they can be affected by their trauma and their childhood. Like I never should have been in those relationships to begin with. And I would never at my healthiest self choose those men as my husbands ever. That's it. But it's hard to hear that when you're coming from a place of bad thinking. Yes. <laughs> so Exactly. Exactly. I remember like my, my therapist would just say so many things that I'd be like, what is happening? Cause he'd be like, Marissa, why do you want to end it with your husband? And I'd be like, well, this, this, and this, he's like, okay. And I'm like, what do you mean? Okay. He's like, those are valid reasons. He's like, it's not good. And I'm like, it's not good. And then to be a person who is as happy and joyful and loving as I am, in my marriage, I was binge drinking multiple times a week. I was 20 pounds heavier, overeating all the time. I was going to bed at seven o'clock. I wasn't working out. I was eating like trash and I felt like trash. And I don't know, I'm proud of myself for putting myself in an environment where I am now where I can bloom, even if that means getting judged by the wor world for being twice divorced before 30. rant <laughs> hey it's good stuff yeah. um oh and i i know that for me like a lot of times unless you've got people speaking some real stuff into your life it's hard it's easy to miss stuff like that but also mm -hmm. even when you do have people speaking stuff in your life sometimes it's easy to miss if you're not mm -hmm. really listening it literally it took me until maybe a year or two ago to realize a lot of what I do comes from abandonment issues, mm, like yeah. uh, parental abandonment issues, family abandonment issues. And I just like, I kind of like had a, when I actually, when the pandemic slowed me down enough to actually think about what I was doing with my life and why I was doing it. I was like, Oh, well, this makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And like, actually, <laughs> that's on brand. This tracks. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, do fear like everyone's going to leave. And that's probably why I'm clinging to so many people and different yeah. things. And um, so let me ask you this for people that are considering marriage. Do you have like pre marriage advice? Do you have some stuff for, to look for in yourself? Cause here's the thing I've 
I think, and I've legitimately stopped counting, but by my estimate, I've married 130 couples. And out of that, I've maybe had premarital counseling, like in-depth premarital counseling with maybe 30 of them. Mm. Because most couples that I've married, like, or like, nah, just say the words. <laughs> like, yeah. like, yeah. like don't, don't, don't try and invest. Don't try and make us think. And um, they're just like, we don't want to think about what we're doing. Just you know, mm. sign the paper. Um, yeah. So what advice do you have or wisdom do you have for people that are considering marriage um, or that are, you know, what are some things to look for in yourself? What are yeah. some things to look for uh, in your relationship uh, before you get there? I would just honestly encourage anyone to figure out who they are, like who they are, who they think they are, who God says that they are and really truly understand their identity. And then what do they desire? Like, what do they want? And be very clear about what they want out of this life. And I don't mean like a bullet point list of the dude that they want. I just mean knowing yourself and knowing what you want and having clarity. And I think until you take the time to really heal and dig deep and and ask yourself tough questions and become clear on what thoughts you have and how those are um you know, impacting and affecting all of your decisions, I think it's going to be really hard to know if you should be getting married to someone or not. And like, for the record, I did premarital counseling twice. And actually, I was really mad at the church for a while. Not that it was their fault at all. It was mine. But I, in my head, I'm like, we didn't go deep at all. It was like, what do you think about money? What do you think about money? You know, and it was like, cool. So you'll spend this much and you'll do a budget. But like, like, it was never like what keeps you up at night and what about your partner are you struggling with and um, can you be completely open and honest with your partner? Is there grace and compassion and kindness in the way that you approach each other in conflict? Like so many different things, but um, like as far notes. as like, <laughs> yeah, you're good. You're good in, in a relationship. Honestly, I think the most important things to me now is, can I be completely authentic, be myself without having to hide parts of myself, even the bad, shameful parts? Like, I don't want to have somebody that, that I go to and I'm like, hey, I'm struggling with drinking and they're judging me for it, right? Like, and then adding to my shame. Um, so can I be completely authentic? Can I be completely open and honest? And when I am those things, am I going to be met with grace and compassion? And if your partner is not, if you can't do those things with your partner, to me, those are the biggest red flags. I think everything else can be figured out, but like those two things are like, whoa. Um, what do you feel like right now are your personal goals for like, uh, like what's your long game here? Like for what you want your adult Marissa life to look like? Like, you know, I think I'm still figuring that out. Um, because I spent so long ignoring what I wanted and just doing what I thought I was supposed to do. Well, God said, and culture said, I'm supposed to get married and have kids. And so I tried that twice and it didn't work. And so I'm like, okay, what, what do I want? Because not everyone has the same path. And like, for me, I'm like, do I, did I actually ever want to be married? I don't know. I don't even know if I want to get married. I might. Um, do I even want kids? Like the older I get, I'm like, I don't know that I've ever wanted kids. 
Um, so I'm trying to figure that out. I know right now, long game outside of marriage and kids, which are very much a gray, no idea. Right. I know that I want, I always have, um, had a vision of my kids being the people that I impact. Like I envisioned myself on a stage talking to hundreds of thousands of people and feeding them this truth, right. And teaching them how to examine their thoughts and how to renew their minds. Um, and those are my kids, right? Like how cool of an impact that would be. So I know whatever it is I do, whether I have kids or any of that, that I'm going to be writing those books and coaching women individually and in groups and on stages talking to them because I feel like these are truths that like the world needs to hear and and I plan on telling them. So like previously too as well, you had mentioned um, the your commentary you get on like your posts and stuff, especially with TikTok that yeah. I've seen. Like I, I saw you went post one today with the, the you know, exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. <laughs> so what do you, how do how much does that stuff impact you? And um, what what's your response to people that do deal with a lot of public criticism of their lives? Yeah, um, this is twofold, two or threefold. But all the folds, it's Oregon. Yeah, so many folds. When the article first came out, I really, really struggled. And it was okay when it was just the article. Um, but my ex's family kind of used that as an opportunity to go on my social media and say, unfortunately, we know the the man she was married to. She's a lying, evil, cheating narcissist. Um, and there was multiple family members that did that. And that rushed me because I loved them right like I was divorcing my husband but like that was my family and I just could never imagine people I loved choosing to take their time to like say those horrible things about me and so I was at work and I started reading those comments from people that I really loved and um I was like I have to go I gotta go and so I left work I took a mental health day and I came home and I remember I just sat on my floor in the fetal position. And probably for the first time in my life, I was like talking to my inner child. And I'm like, what do you need? Like, what do you need right now? Because we are not well. And, and I like to visualize so I, like the inner child work is like my old adult self working with my younger kid. And normally, when I do that, it's my adult self reaching to my younger self and trying to lift her up. It's like, give me your hand. Come on, let's go. We're good. And this time it was like, you know what? Adult me needs to sit with little me right now. And she needs to be in the fetal position and she we need to just cry with each other. And so I got in that fetal position. I just cried and cried and cried. And I just kept thinking two things. Who does God say that you are? And who do you say that you are? And I, I'm like, I couldn't answer the question. And this is actually a fun God story, but I, but I couldn't answer the question. I'm like, okay, I've done this work. I've gone through coaching school. How do I process a feeling? And I thought, okay, Marissa, where do you feel it in your body? And it was so interesting. Like my chest was tight. My breathing was more shallow. I got these shivers all over my body. And I was like, just like shaking. And like, I was just legit feeling. Cause all feeling is, is a vibration in the body. And I'm like, okay. And I was feeling the feeling of shame and rejection, mostly rejection, like being rejected by the world and the people. And I'm like, okay, I process that feeling. I'm feeling rejected. It's totally fine. It's allowed to be here. Um, but also, 
who does God say that you are? Who do you say that you are? So I get up and there's this Bible on my, um, on my like desktop or whatever. And I'm like, I haven't looked at the Bible in two years. And that's a whole other story because I took two years to deconstruct and reconstruct all my beliefs. And so I'm like, weird, I haven't read that Bible in two years. But I, I was just like so attracted to it in that moment. So I pick up the Bible. And the best part is that this Bible was a gift from his sister, like his sisters who were the ones that were talking poorly about me. And when I picked up the Bible on the front of the Bible, it said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I thought, how beautiful is that, that God took this moment where my enemy was trying to shame me and hurt me and put me down. And he used something that they gave me to remind me who the freak I am. And I was like, wow, first of all, God, you're petty, but you're also funny. That's great. And so I'm like, okay, I'm like, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so that was the big thing. Who does God say that I am? And who do I say that I am? And so I, those are the questions that I ask people. Who do you say that you are? Because if you don't know who you are, anything, you'll believe anything that people say about you. And um, the other thing is, is when you know who you are and you're confident in who you are, you don't have to believe people. I say it all the time. I don't believe you. Like people will comment and be like, you're disqualified from being a life coach because you're divorced. And I'll just be like, I don't believe you. Simply, I do not believe you. And that's fine. So knowing who you are, being confident in who you are, deciding to give people permission to be wrong about you because it's inevitable. Inevitable. People will have opinions and it's totally fine. I don't like everyone I meet. I have opinions. They have opinions and they have full permission to be wrong about me. And it's cool. Um, and I don't know. I had one more point, but I totally just lost it. They have permission to be wrong about me. Oh, and once you stop taking all those things personal, like once you realize like, cool, they have permission to be wrong about me, you can actually then have compassion for the other side. And someone's, when, when his family was being really cruel, um, I, someone told me this quote, or I read it somewhere. It said, all hatred is self-hatred. Mm -hmm. yeah. People don't really hate you. They hate themselves. And so now whenever I see really terrible comments from people, I'm like, all hatred is self-hatred. And when I think that, I actually feel compassion for them. Wow, what must it be like to live in their mind? I wonder what they might be going through to talk so poorly about me. And it's okay. And it's really hard to be mad and angry at people when you're having compassion for them. I'll say that. So those are like the things. <laughs> One of the things that I've, I've, you know, on a very similar vein that I've come to like grips with is because people do have some, usually have some, unaddressed self-loathing they don't deal with yeah. um the only way they can build themselves up is to tear other people down yes. because if you can lower others you automatically become elevated without actually lifting yourself up yeah. or you know dealing with any of your stuff so i you know it's a lot of things a lot of times people are hateful negative cruel they'll take pot shots and easy targets because that's an easy toxic way to make themselves feel better yeah. um mm -hmm. uh have you seen the two musical questions randomly have you seen the musical uh spirited on apple tv oh my gosh i have i need to turn my fan on really quick because i'm like sweat. do your thing man okay it's on um <laughs> i just saw spirited last weekend uh that's uh one of the lines that's in it he's like 
uh has mankind gotten any mankinder you want to know what humanity is <sighs> read the comments below yeah <laughs> oh my god i so related to that i was like whoa i thought whoa. that was great i thought that was great because that's that's real um yeah <laughs> but uh when you were talking about your uh adult self speaking to your inner child uh not the movie but there's a musical called tommy that's the who's stuff um the movie is an acid trip and i don't recommend it and, and <laughs> um literally i don't I'm think i'm watching it now <laughs> the the movie is not coherent and literally i think you're supposed to have like a large laundry list of drugs in your system to actually enjoy the movie um but you know sometimes with broadway plays and stuff they make it a lot more you know coherent and yeah. uh the entire musical the the stage production of tommy is literally a child gets traumatized so his adult self is like standing with him through all of his trauma trying to help him get out oh yeah so i was like when you were talking that i'm like picturing you in that you know because they wear all white in that play and i'm just like picturing you in some all white with some <laughs> 70s rock just like going at honestly, it. honestly i'm probably just dressed like this being like yo you good little me <laughs> <laughs> for the most part um but I'm glad that you can deal with that because, you know, I'm glad you weren't shut down by negativity with that because I know that's hard to. Have you ever noticed, though, that the things that people say that hurt us the most are the things that we believe about ourselves, even if it's only a little bit? So, like, I when they called me an evil narcissist that hurt my feelings because part of me wondered if I was for a long time. And so when they said it, I was like, and, it, it, and I allowed it and I accepted it. It's because I believed it. And so when I started believing differently about myself, it was so much easier to be like, yeah, I don't believe you kidding me. You think I'm an evil narcissist. I'm literally a ray of sunshine. Get out of here. Get out. It's so good. Uh, I wish everybody knew this. So uh, just a couple more things. Um, what do you, like, you've mentioned the life coaching thing and also, you know, people saying you were disqualified from life coaching because of what your divorces and before 30 and everything like that. Yeah. Um, what What are your goals for life coaching? I know you mentioned speaking on stages and stuff, you know, and having yeah. an audience with that. What are your goals specifically with life coaching? Yeah. Um, are we talking like emotional goals? Or are we talking like, what do you like legit, like my financial goals? What do you mean? Give me, give me all the goals. Give, give me emotional, give me financial. Do your thing, man. Like what, what yeah. do you, what do you want to get out of it? And what do you want the world to get out of it? Ultimately my vision, like I'm starting with divorce, but that's because that's what I've been through. Like at some point I want to coach anybody on anything because that's how important I think that this work is. Um, but the thought that always comes to my mind and like the motto in the back of my mind is there's a phrase it's called wake up sleepers. I think it's actually in the Bible. Is that Ecclesiastes or Ephesians or something like that? Ecclesiastes, I think. Wake yes. up your sleepers. Yeah. Wake up sleepers. And the thing is, is, you know, I'm not as well versed on my Bible verses, but the way is narrow, right? And I think a lot of us, we wander around and we think, well, we're going to make the narrow way. 
but we don't actually ever do the work. And so the way my brain is, I'm like, we're, I think we're all asleep to our minds, to the way that we're being impacted by our subconscious thoughts. And I think that the narrow way that God is talking about are the people who wake up and say, what are my thoughts? How are they impacting me? How do they affect the way that I show up and the way that I love people? I, I Like, that's just like my core belief. Like, this is God's work. And I want to tell people about it. And I, I just want them to wake up to their life. Because even if they don't believe in God, how much cooler if you can wake up to your mind and the way that it's creating the results in your life and then choose the results you want in your life on purpose. Like if nothing else, like, okay, cool. I don't believe in God. What does this do for me? Whatever you want it to do. You could literally decide whatever you want to do and make that happen. And all you have to do is change the way you think. By the way, you were right. It actually is Ephesians. I was wrong. Good job. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. You looked that up while I was talking. Absolutely. I, I've ever, every, just for other people that are listening, so I can point them to that to it. I've got all the references we've mentioned so far. So I'll put those in oh, later. Yes. Um, cool. Have you watched Ted Lasso? No. Okay. Um, please do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't, I'm, you know, I recommend that for everyone, but I really recommend it for you yeah okay um ted lasso is you and a mustache oh i love it <laughs> okay uh uh you know brief not sales pitch but sales pitch uh ted lasso is the uh male uh ray of freaking sunshine um his wife actually wants to leave him because of his overwhelming optimism I know it's really hard <laughs> and his positivity is too much for her. I don't, yeah. it's not the only reason you're given in the, the show, but uh, basically his wife wants to leave him and she wants space. So he takes a job coaching uh, soccer in England. He's a college football coach who's never seen a soccer game. Hmm. And the, soccer club in England hires him because the woman is going through a divorce that owns the team and she wants her husband who previously owned the team to watch the team suffer and die. Oh, so she hired, she hires the ray of sunshine. Who's a TikTok viral sensation, which is why she hired him. Um, Oh my God. Are we the same? <laughs> literally he did us. He did a happy dance with his, uh, in a, with his college football team in a locker room and that's why he went viral wow and um so it's based on a true story yes and no okay. um <laughs> uh yes it, it is but you know I'm not trying to just poop on their cornflakes but i'll tell you in a second um but they uh so he goes to england to coach the team and he's there to destroy everything by the team owner's thing and his encouragement uh, literally reshapes the whole culture. Mm. And then the second season is him dealing with his trauma uh, that got him to the place where he was such a ray of sunshine. Stop, which is literally what I did. Oh my God. Uh, okay. So uh, you, so the whole first season, you have no knowledge of why he's the way he is. I'm scared. Um, season two, a soccer player accidentally kills a dog in the middle of a game their their mascot is the uh greyhounds 
and one gets loose on the field and he soccer kicks and the dude kicks a goal and the dog gets hit in the neck or whatever and he kills the dog. So he's he's losing his the soccer players like soccer's death. He can't perform anymore. So they hire a psychiatrist or a counselor to come in just for that guy. But then the team's like, I have some problems too. Can I talk to her? And so right. they just they put the therapist on retainer and the coach gets really upset that uh, other people are listening to someone other than him. The and, Ted Lasso? Yeah. Oh. And so he's like, but he not not verbally like upset. He's just like he's feeling insecure. But yeah, it's also yeah. because he's scared of therapy himself. Bet. And and so once he finally starts investing in it, he realizes I'm this positive because of this trauma in my life and I'm trying to compensate. Mm. and but it's literally one of the most encouraging things i've ever seen um it's one of the things that deal with divorce most honestly wow and the trauma of that and how people respond to things um so when i was you know when i see you posting stuff about your encouragement and everything else i'm just like she should watch ted lasso it's on apple tv it's two seasons you can watch it in a day so maybe i'll just get it for a day well realistically you could uh you can get uh I hope Apple pays me because I say this a lot. Um, you can <laughs> you can get an Apple subscription for six bucks and watch oh. the whole thing in a month. Yeah, and then get rid of it. And get rid of it. So and Spirited's on there too. If you want to go ahead and watch that again, um, but I recommend it. But for you, literally, it's my you, life. You are Ted. Um, Ted is me. You're Ted. <laughs> Ted is you. Um, wow. Just with a less burly mustache or whatever but because he looks like the marble man um but uh in reality that's what was happening in his life Mm. um do you know who jason sudeikis is no okay um jason sudeikis no i i didn't you know i i follow that world so it's just its own thing uh he was going through the same thing where his wife wanted him wanted distance while they were separating so he went to go make ted lasso in england while that was happening and so like literally everything going through the show was literally what he was going through with his life wow so it's kind of like autobiographical while it was actually happening yeah holy crap okay so i understand your answer now to is this a true story or not yeah but it was like literally happening while it was happening um yeah it's gotten like 20 gram or 20 emmys and stuff in two seasons so it was it was a it was a heavy hitter all right Um, all right i'll watch it for sure, okay. for sure. For sure. Um, last just thing, uh, where can people find your stuff? What if you've got if people want to check you out or follow your stuff, get any following from you, where should they go? Where should they check yes. things out? Oh my god, I have so many different things. Let me start with my website. It is sunhappens.net. So sun like the sunshine. Um, sunhappens.net. My podcast episodes are on there, my coaching packages on there. My you can get to my social media from there. Um but TikTok and Instagram, my personal profiles are the Marissa Baker. And um, I have a Sun Happens official Instagram as well. But the Marissa Baker is really where you're going to find all the things and my website. And are most of your services and stuff virtual? Or do you do in person? Like, what's your deal? Um, all over Zoom, pretty much virtual. Like, if someone was local and they wanted to do in person, I would totally consider it. But um, I feel like Zoom is just like the way of the world now. Okay. So yeah, anything can be virtual. I can do groups, individual, all of the things. All right. Um, 
if people have questions for you, are you okay for them to contact you? Oh my gosh. Yes, please. I tell people all the time on my TikTok, message me on Instagram. Like I, I'm not here to just like take people's money. Like I want to help people. So like, if you message me, I'll ask you some questions. I'll give you some encouragement. We can kind of walk through some things like not a problem at all. I love it. Okay. Um, 90% of the people that I have on my podcast are nerds in some fashion or other. And I know that's not your bubble. Um, it can be, it can be, (laughs) I Um, love bubbles. You love your bubbles. Um, so I'm going to give you, uh, seven, uh, categories. I just want you to pick one. Okay. Okay. Uh, if I were to tell you an emotional state that guides your life. Okay. Ready? Here's your seven options. An emotional state that guides your life. Like kind of like your vibe, your whole, you know, thing. Okay. Okay. Here's your options. Ready? Yeah. All right. Um, jealousy. You don't have to pick. Just you just listen. We'll, we'll come. We'll circle okay, okay, back. Okay. Um, uh, fear, compassion, uh, love, or yeah, we'll just say love as a broad one. Um, hope, will, like straight up, just gangster level willpower. Um. Or rage. Mm. Uh, if if one of those were like the overall uh, descriptive thing of your life, which one do you think would be? I know those are limiting, but like you yeah, can just I take know, a broad perspective. It. Compassion, for sure. The moment you said it, I was like, that's it. Um, because my whole life has always been how, and I guess I think compassion and empathy go hand in hand. So it's always been how can I see it from their perspective? How can I understand them better? How can I offer them grace and compassion in this time? And now since I've started healing, it's how do I have compassion with myself? How do I view myself not with shame, but with compassionate curiosity? Like how do I just get fascinated by what I do and my behaviors from a place of just compassion and wanting to understand myself so that I can like be better. So like by far, by far compassion. Okay. So you've heard of Green Lantern before, vaguely? Yeah. Like, okay. So that makes you an indigo lantern. What? What does that mean? Uh you know, Green Lanterns operate by willpower, right? That's that's their jam. Like what okay. like all of the stuff they make with the ring comes from willpower. Yeah. Um, there's an emotional spectrum of the lanterns. Um, and each of them has a different power set that operates from their stuff. So there's an entire lantern core that operates purely on compassion. And they are called the indigo lanterns. So I'm indigo. You're an indigo lantern. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> wow. And I have to say one thing because I've been thinking about this the entire episode. Do it, man. Because we've been talking about the whole I'm divorced and am I disqualified and all of these things. And I know this is like such a prominent example in like the faith world, but I always think of Paul. Like I always, always think of Paul. Like this man was straight up a murderer of the Christian people. And God said, I choose you. Forget about your past. Forget what you've done. You're not Saul anymore. You're Paul. And this is what I want you to do. 
And then he just did it. He didn't live in the past. He just moved forward. He didn't like shame himself for all the people he killed. He was like, no, I'm not that guy anymore. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I just want to encourage people like we're all Paul. I, I know a lot of us like to be like, no, I would never be the murderer. No, we're all Paul. But when you can realize we're all Paul, that means we can have a past and we can all have the potential and the impact that Paul had. And I think that's really amazing. That is amazing. And thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I've this is the first time we've like legit spoken in maybe like a decade. Like legit. I don't, maybe not that long, but it's you know since I, don't even I was know. hiding in the back of your car for God knows what reason. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I saw so you I think I saw you through when did you graduate? 2013 okay yeah so yeah it wasn't too long after that actually so yeah yeah it's been a decade yeah it's been a decade so uh i'm glad you're here i'm glad you haven't been overwhelmed by your life circumstances and the stuff that has happened and i'm glad you're making the world better and encouraging people it's greatly appreciated um and for those of you who you know uh have any curiosity about what she just said about hiding in my car um when <laughs> uh sometime in 11 years ago or so uh she hid in the back of my minivan uh after watching the walking dead at some college kids houses and uh like scared me and uh i'll i'll link i'll stick it <laughs> It's and then I forgot literally until I see because I watched that right before I sent it to you and I'd forgotten that once I saw you in the, I know I got angry not like but like you know annoyed I was just like I got wrecked but like Nikki's like <laughs> he took off with her and I remember like I like went over some speed bumps and stuff like really fast just to be like oh you rascally kids uh, <laughs> that was one of those funny that was one of those moments where I'm like uh okay. I'm the old person now because this is, <laughs> I was like, I'm officially becoming the old guy because, you know, that's not as cool as it would have been if I'd done it. Um, that's hysterical. I'll, I'll link that in somewhere as well for <laughs> into the podcast notes. But uh, yeah. if you are listening to this on uh, our podcast channel, you can uh, see the video of this on YouTube and Facebook. If you're watching this on Facebook, you can listen to this on our podcast channel as well. And um, what's, What's this like frequency of your podcast? Are you still podcasting? Is it a thing? Yes. Where are you at? Um, so I am actually moving into a season all about divorce and only divorce. And um, currently I do bi-weekly. So every other Monday, um, this year will be anywhere minimum of two episodes per month to four episodes a month, um, always on a Monday. Okay. And you can find that through all the socials we previously mentioned. Spotify, iTunes, social media, or it's on my website, sunhappens.net. Okay. Well, everyone, uh, thank you for joining us. Marissa, thank you for taking time to talk to me. And as we've check played checkers to try and make this happen for yeah. a minute. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, thank you to our Patreon supporters that help make this possible. And uh, check out Marissa's stuff. And thank you for making the sun happen. <laughs> Thank you for having me. That was amazing. You're welcome, dude.